Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Game Six Clay Pod. It's me, Gotham, with my boys Charlie and Matt. Um, today, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, Warriors sitting at 15 and 13. Um, the eighth seed um, finally kind of got it under control um, within the game. Um, got the eighth seed right now. Um, big win against Cleveland last night. Um, obviously, a very tough team. Uh, I mean, tough team in the sense that they're very uh, young and they have uh, they have solid players. But um, Warriors came out on top uh, big time. I think it was 129-98 or something was the final score. Um, big game from Steph. Uh, so let's just get right into it, guys. What was uh, what were your takeaways from last night? Um, what would you like, didn't like? And, uh, yeah, Charlie, lead us off. Yeah, so I think the first takeaway has got to be coming from Draymond. I mean, having a career high in assists and then sitting out the entire fourth, that's some incredible stuff. And I think we got really excited around that Maverick stretch of games when they were essentially forced to play Draymond as the small ball center and for what he's looked in terms of his passing and his defense. But now I think you have enough of the sample size where you can say, like, this is the real deal. Like, he's clearly just looking much better as a small ball center. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway just going forward is that with whatever matchup they're able to face, Draymond as the small ball five is clearly working out big time. Yeah, I would just add on to that and say um, that, that just seems to be their best look right now is Draymond at the five. Um, and again, he's having not a career year necessarily. He's having a career stretch though with, you know, 15 assists, 16 assists, 14 assists, you know, in back-to-back-to-back games, something like that. Uh, he's looking awesome. I thought this was the most – uh, Warriors need the Warriors have looked this year. Aside from that Spurs game earlier on the season, this is the most they've looked like. That ball is flying around. Um, everybody's cutting. Oubre's even cutting. You know what I mean? Uh, they're hustling on defense. Steph looks like a killer. You know, they just Draymond's rolling. He's going to the basket. And again, I think earlier on it was pretty pretty frequently talked about that Draymond wasn't feeling good. You know, he didn't feel like he was in shape yet. And I think just uh, his his willingness to go to the hoop has has got to get uh, fans excited, got to get everybody excited because that just opens up so much. Even if he's not hitting, if he's willing to attack the basket and not settle for these silly jumpers that he was kind of getting in the habit of settling for for a minute, uh, this team looks a lot better. So uh, it was a good offensive game against, you know, a relatively mediocre team, but I think it was – I think it's a projection of maybe good things to come because they look like they're getting into more of a rhythm and more familiar. Yeah, I mean, you guys both kind of hit it on. Uh, Draymond was huge, 16 assists. Um career like for a guy that's you know predicated his game on being that you know point forward for team just some of the passes he's making he had that one like little like bounce pass to Steph and like Steph caught somehow was insane um and just his uh and that that I don't know if you guys saw I'm sure you guys saw that clip of like Steph and uh Draymond hit with the pick and roll coming off the so just seeing like the chemistry of the team just um starts with our two best players uh, Steph and Draymond and then it's, it's just kind of trickling down to you know, Ubre Ubre's playing a lot better. We're getting into that a little later, but you know, Ubre's showing a lot more consistency. Wiggins, you know, up and down stretch. Um, that little uh, four or five games shooting ball. He had, he had a pretty good night last night. Um, JTA has been a fantastic breakout star from like this whole small ball. You know, not having a center um just stretch a game. So I think it's it, it's been a, it's been really good because the Warriors. Um, we kind of talked about earlier um in earlier pods like we that we haven't really had an identity for the team yet. I think it's still developing, but I think, um, you know, before the season started itself, Steve Kerr was saying that this team has to get out and transition, run, um, and defend the ball. Um, and, you know, we're seeing stretches now where, you know, that Mavericks game, um, second Spurs, uh, the, both the Spurs games, to be honest. Um, I think defensively they've been playing, they've been locking down on both ends and now it's just finding the consistency. And, you know, Steph is averaging insane numbers right now. Draymond's right there next to him, complimenting, complimenting him uh, off the top of the key and stuff. And you just got the guys around him. So I think, uh, Matt, you kind of said it's the most warriors war the Warriors basketball we've seen, um, you know, vintage third quarter last night. So, um, you know, great, great win. Um, coming up on a stretch of games that's going to be kind of similar team in terms of talent. So um, it's just kind of, you know, you hear Steph say it all the time, you know, you just got to string a few of these together. So yeah. uh, that's where we're at right now. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the sorry, Matt. Uh, I think the defensive stretch has been incredible, and not only from Draymond, like you're seeing him really engaged down low, but especially Wiggins. I think both of them, since that Mavericks turnaround, have held their opponents under 40% shooting, which is pretty insane considering the shot quality you can get against those kind of guys. And I think Wiggins last night, 
against him was one for 11 with four turnovers. I mean, the guy is just like seriously becoming a problem on the defensive end and having him get those like smaller looks could be because his minutes at power forward are increasing every night. And so he's getting these tougher and tougher matchups and still winning them. And I think that's such a huge thing for this team is having such defensive consistency from the forwards, especially with JTA in the mix more now and Kelly Oubre becoming a little more engaged on the defensive end down low. I think it's really unlocked something for them. Another thing I want to add on um, real quick, uh, also just having um, – you can kind of see, like, just the camaraderie with the team, you know, that chemistry is building. And a lot of it, I, I think, shout-out to our namesake on this pod, man, Clay Thompson. Um, you know, he's back on the bench. Uh, you know, he's more around the team right now. And, you know, you can see him just cheering with the guys, you know, laughing, just being involved in the games however he can be. And um, I think a lot of that uh, comes down to just the Warriors culture and stuff. And we're really seeing him embrace – you know, a new kind of team that the Warriors are, but not forgetting like the, I guess, not necessarily values and stuff, but just how they, the, they're like, I, like how your core ideals, I guess. Um, so I feel like um, a lot of stuff's come together right now at the right time. And it's just, it's the opportunity is there to just pounce and, you know, really make a, make a run right now. Yeah, it definitely feels like a momentum builder game, you know, or it should be at least. And I think hitting on Wiggins is big. I think um, he struggled a little bit from the field recently, just he's not finding a shot. Uh, he's also settling a little bit, and I think that probably has to do something with some tired legs. I know he had some leg injuries for a bit he was playing through, and um, he's kind of going back to settling for some some not-so-awesome jumpers. But, uh, Charlie, awesome to note, though, yeah, he's he's looking really awesome on the defensive end. I was just sco- scoping his his numbers at power forward. It's more minutes at, at the three now. So um, it's nice to have him in that role. Um, I also really want to hit on Ubre for a few minutes, not because I think Ubre has been a uh, killer by any means. I think um, – that's kind of what's getting lost this a lot of the time is people are kind of going like, oh, you know, he's shooting the ball a little better, and that's awesome. It is, and he's scoring the ball a little more, a little more consistently. But I think uh, some of the strides we're seeing is that guy, he could he could average 20 points a game just because of his athleticism right now and the team he plays on and because he plays with Steph Curry. And I think he's starting to realize that a little more. They had that play where Steph backsprings to the elbow and or, uh, Uber cuts down and Draymond finds him every time. There's plays like that that are available with that guy every single time. And it seems like he's starting to realize that a little bit and realize that he's probably, and I hope this is his mindset, that he's starting to realize he's probably best suited for just literally uh, off the cash cuts, putting the ball in the hoop, and then uh, quarter threes. And he's shooting the ball, like, I think for the last 10, 12 games, 40% from three. Um, he's not a good finisher inside if he's not just line drive. But, again, if he's if he's willing to take advantage of the space, which he has been recently, that's a really good sign for Golden State going forward just because – uh, he has the, the physical capability to be really deadly there and actually be, make himself a weapon as opposed to a liability on offense. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it's huge having Steph in there, just being comfortable in his role. I saw, too, having him – I think he's averaging more than one screen assist per game now. And, you know, we can all, like, make the jokes, you know, like, oh, here we go, like, Steph setting down screens. but it is a really effective part of their offense when everything's flowing. And we've seen that early on, you know, it can get frustrating with guys like Ubre who can be sort of tough with the decision-making. But when you have more guys like, you know, JTA in there and Draymond playing at this high level, like I think when you have these playmakers around Ubre that can kind of soften the decision-making that he has to make, it makes him look a lot better. And I think that's what we've seen the last few games. And, even if, you know, his individual decision-making isn't really changing a whole lot, we're still seeing, you know, some head-down drives that should be passes to the corner. I think what they've done around him is really helping him make, like, just look a lot better and be able to use that athleticism in positions that he's comfortable in. Yeah, I no, totally agree. I mean, I think Uber, I'm, I'm honestly way more impressed than um, I guess most of, like, Warriors fans might be. Um, I just, like, just going back to the way the guy started and, like, you know, just the, the insane funk he was in. And just to bounce back, you know, hearing all the noise, trade rumors, um, and uh, just to bounce back and to finally, you know, put together a string of, you know, whatever, eight, nine, ten games, whatever it is, he's shooting the ball well. And, like, we're seeing on the court, man, you guys you guys hit it on the head. Um, you know, he's making smart decisions, um, finding a guy, finding the right guy here and there, um, not necessarily missing all of them. Um, and, you know, he's always still, still going to be working for progress, like I think. Um, but he's showing himself to be a very capable asset to this team. 
um, and not necessarily, um, you know, somebody that, you know, I, I'm not going to be saying like, don't trade him now, but um, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely, um, you know, getting a lot of support, at least in terms of the, uh, the output he's putting out. But I think a lot of that, yeah, like you guys hit it, like just the, the Steph back screens, just creating those, those spaces, just that gra- what that gravity creates. And it's insane, like just watching how many open dunks we're getting. Um, and like guys like, yeah, guys like Ubre, Wiggins, you know, JTA, um, like those are those guys are very like rhythm players and like that, that Steph's gravity gets that going. And um, I think the most irritating part about like, you know, the Steph down screen thing is when like Steph's not really in a rhythm and, you know, our first goal should be to get him in a rhythm. So when he's not in rhythm and you're still making him down screen, I think that's where that, that, that like, that just angriness comes with the fans. But um, you know, Steph's uh, every game so far, he's been coming out very aggressive, um, obviously just from the numbers putting up. Um, but he's kind of fi- like establishing his own offense and then, you know, just letting the other guys figure out around him, which is, I think, the perfect way to go about it. Um, so I uh, just got to keep doing that. I think uh, defensively, Uber has been electric, I think, just, um, you know, moving his feet. Uh, his hands are, you know, very, very active all the time. Um, and he's just athletic as hell. You guys have said it already. Like, the guy's athleticism is off the charts. Um, so I think that, you know, it's just going to keep getting better and better. You know, we have, um, you know, teams right now where uh, we should be able to win and stuff. So, you know, just keep, um, you know, ingraining this, just making muscle memory. So by the time we, you know, hit that playoff stride, that playoff run time, um, you know, we're good to go. No, it's a well machine. Yeah, it does just feel like this team finally, I mean – there's a lot of gripes at the beginning of the season with Kerr uh, not simplifying the offense. Um, and we saw a lot of the repercussions of that, you know, in this stagnation with Wiggins even sometimes, especially with Ubre, obviously. Uh, but I think now you're really starting to see, uh, especially the way Steph's playing, guys really load up, load up on him. And uh, we've seen JTA really take advantage of that, which has been really cool. And I think, you know, if you're – I have to imagine if you're Wiggins, if you're Ubre. Uh, if you're Bays and you're seeing, you know, the two-way guy making the smart plays, making the smart cuts, taking full advantage of Steph's gravity, you know, that's not a phrase we're going to use lightly here, you know, I mean, underused, used all the time, but it's true. If you see that two-way guy doing that and getting four or five buckets a game off that, you got to realize to yourself, you know, you're a professional basketball player. You have, you're going to have every opportunity to get that and more off this Steph uh, gravity. So I think it's cool, again, just to see a little more of Steve Kerr's offense realized fully or getting there at least right now. I think they're still obviously a few pieces away from uh, making, it, making it all happen, but they're taking full advantage of it at this point, or at least more advantage. Yeah, I love the fact, too, that when you see guys like JTA out there, you know, not only does he make the right decisions, but when he's, when he's out on the court, the ball is just zipping around. Like the energy is literally manifested in the way they run their offense because we've seen so many games where it's been a struggle where they're all the time just trying to force the ball to Steph getting open and there are these very lazy passes like long dribbling possessions. But with JTA, it's just the zipping ball movement that works best for this kind of offense. And I think we have to talk too just about this run that Steph is on for the last 10 games because to – and now it's the second time, I think, in the last two weeks where we've seen graphics coming up. And it's like, yeah, the only guards to ever do this are Steph and Michael Jordan. And when that's coming up in any sort of graphic, it's worth talking about. I mean, 10 that's straight games. Yeah, 10 straight games now of 25 on 50% from the field. And he's taking comfortably more threes than twos during that stretch. I mean, it's just insane what he's doing right now. Yeah, and that especially just with, I mean, it's going to get said on over again, but the fact that he is the sole offensive creator for them when it comes to scoring, but like scoring points, Draymond's obviously doing a whole different thing, organizing the offense and doing all that. But as far as getting you a bucket, he is the only guy that if you're the other team, you're like, we got to stop him. He's the only guy and he's doing this in a way where he's the most efficient guard in the league by a mile right now. Um, and like you said, Charlie, he is, he's taking, I think, 11 threes a game right now or something ridiculous like that and shooting, like, in the last 10 games, I think well above 50% um, for the last 10. Mm. Uh, but what's been honestly more impressive to me is his finishing around the rim right now. It's just – it's on another level, and I, I think it's an aspect of his game that's often never looked. I think I saw a stat today from two. He's shooting better than – from two-point range, shooting better than AD and LeBron, um, which is obviously bonkers. Steph's a 6'3 guard. That shouldn't be happening. Um, it's more a testament to Steph and AD and LeBron, obviously, but 
Uh, it's just incredible, man. He's, he looks, I mean, there's been so much said about his strength this year and how much stronger he is, but it really does show because he's getting his ass kicked every night, but he's finishing through everything. I think he's shooting, you know, around the same uh, percent of the rim that he did when he was leading the league as a guard his MVP year. I think Kyrie's floating around there too right now, and Kyrie's also been on the tear. Um, but uh, he just – he looks as good or better than ever. And to hear his teammates, his coach, uh, himself even saying this is the best he's ever felt, it's encouraging. It's pretty freaking insane to watch. I think we all have those moments right now where you're just watching and you kind of – you can't help but laugh. Like he's doing certain things where you're just like, dude, it's, it's – it feels like oh, every game – when he cooked Shetty last night, that was disgusting. Like, oh, it's every night, man. It's every single night. night. Yeah, it's, like, it feels like. Is it just me? Does he have? Does he have twenty points at halftime every game now? It seems like or damn every near time. sixteen. It's, Even if it's a quiet, it's a quiet sixteen, seventeen and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's really awesome to watch. I, I he's keeping them afloat. I think last week we talked about the MVP talk and obviously he deserves to be in there. I was listening to a podcast today. He's finally in that. He's finally getting some of that love from guys like Zach Lowe or John Hollander, you know, um, which is where you want, but obviously it's a not, not super important, but Steph getting that recognition is always huge, but yeah, it's been incredible guys. And I, I anticipate, and he's, he's doing all the things that uh, for whatever reason, certain people doubted he could do. Um, he looks not like he's still in his peak. He looks like he's at his peak right now, which is, not something I think a lot of people anticipated saying this year. Gotham? Yeah, man. I mean, you guys kind of hit it, dude. Like, Steph is he, – he's he's, showcase, he's showing why he's one of the – he's the greatest point guard of all time. Um, I think I will argue to say that's a hot take. Um, pound for pound, I think he's the greatest player of all time. Um, and just the uh, just the level of consistency and efficiency. And like you said, bro, he's, he's carrying the load. Like, if Steph doesn't drop – you know, 30-something points, we don't win a game. And the guys led us to 15, 15 wins now. Um, and, you know, we've been right there in so many other games. So, like, we're, like, we're three or four games away, like, a few baskets away from Steph leading the MVP conversation. So, I mean, I think that um, he's just showing why he's um, just once-in-a-generation talent. Like, we're, we're never going to see something like this for a while. Um, and, you know, you just got to appreciate it. But just in terms of – you know, this season, I think Steph Steph has realized, and like you said, man, like he's put on extra weight. He knows he's going to be taking a pounding every night. Um, he knows he's – and that's what he's got to do to help his team win. And, you know, he's not mailing this season in at all. Um, but not by any means. He wants to come out with a lot to prove. Um, already got the Warriors in the playoff, um, you know, talk and um, playoff race and everything. So, I mean, we're going to – the sad part is, but also the great part is we're going to need just this, this level of Steph – um, to sustain the season. Um, so, uh, and, but he's shown he can do it. So, I mean, it's always, um, you know, this, this team is built on Steph. And like you said, guys, Draymond also, you know, coming in, kind of finding his, finding his wind and um, getting some rhythm into the season as we kind of approach, I'll say the halfway mark with that quarter, past a little quarter way of the season um, where we're at now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane to watch. Um, we're, we're lucky and, you know, we need this going forward. Do you guys think, so, Obviously, Steph, he's, again, if he, Gotham, he's the best point guard of all time. I think it's totally you know, an arguable, arguable point. Uh, I think in my head, he's inarguably top five player in the game right now. Um, debatably. I think he's number one. Top two. Yeah, you, I mean, there's a case for it, to be honest, right now. Um, but I think debatably top two, three. I, I always say LeBron, KD, and Steph in some order. I'm not sure what it would be, but those are my three guys usually. Uh, but with that being said, I think – everybody's a little surprised right now with what's happening with him. Not because they didn't think he'd be great. I think we, I mean, I thought he'd be great this year, but this again, just looks like, uh, he looks like peak, peak of his powers right now. Uh, does this put pressure on the front office to make win now moves and potentially you guys think, uh, include that Minnesota pick or Wiseman even in a deal to get, uh, some Steph, get Steph some help and maybe focus on a more, uh, win now timeline, not even necessarily this year, but going into next year, the next two or three, what do you guys think? Personally, I feel I, like this is uh, – go for it, Charlie. Go for it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I think it almost – I've kind of reversed stances. I think early in the season I was thinking, oh, you know, this is – you know, this is maybe the last great Steph that we can still get our hands on for the next few seasons. So why not go all in and try to at least, you know, push the chips in for the next few seasons, not necessarily on rentals, but guys that can help you over a few years. And I think the way Steph has been playing 
not just the quality and like the stats he's putting up, but the way he's doing it just so effortlessly. And at this age, like I did not think this was possible for him to just be doing his unanimous MVP type shit and surrounded by this cast at this age. And so, you know, when I look at that now, like you have James Wiseman and the Minnesota pick are kind of your chances to really add a stud to this core long-term. And I think what you got to look at with this team now is like, Steph's just going to keep doing this, you know, barring injury or barring some massive change in play. Like we know the guy takes care of himself. He makes incredible adjustments with his body and with his game to most optimize the way he can play in a current season. And I think when you look at that, you know, it sucks to just kind of look at a season like this and say, you know, we're pretty much going to be like punting on an MVP season in terms of contention. But you look at next year, it's going to be Wiseman, Clay, Steph, Draymond, the Minnesota pick coming in. Like, we still have Pascal in the fold, all these young guys. Like, I think it kind of reverses the argument the way he's playing because you can get so many more good years out of this guy. And I think he's showing that every night. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I don't, I, I don't think we should uh, – that pick should just – we should use that pick um, for sure, especially now with how Minnesota is kind of, you know, dealing with D'Lo kind of being out. So, you know, the, a bottom three is looking very, very likely. Um, so, I mean, I think that pick is the, one of the best assets um, in the league right now. And you kind of hit it, Charlie. I mean, there's no need to make a move um, that, you know, you kind of send the pick, Wiseman, and even, like, it's it's this is a season that really is, honestly, um, as you were kind of talking, Charlie, it feels like this season is kind of just, um, like, our gauge or, like, the team's gauge of how Steph's going to look for the next, you know, four or five years. And like you said, man, he's, like we said earlier, he's he's looking amazing. The guy, I mean, he said he feels like he's 27, 28. So by that, you know, NBA standards, that's just approaching your prime. So, we get Clay back next year. Um, you know, we got a Wiseman with a year under his belt. You know, another a healthy Draymond, healthy Steph. Um, and, you know, Wiggins, the, all the guys that we have right now, you know, just um, – and then the pick as well. I just think that, um, you know, you want to be holding in assets as much as you can, especially with so much um, intrigue in the team that's, you know, that's going to be the 21-22 team with Clay back in the mix. So, I mean, I think that you just got to hold on to that pick. Um I think the biggest thing that, you know, for roster-wise this season is probably just picking up expiring contracts, you know, bio market or something like that. But um, in terms of, like, big moves, I just don't – I think it would just be, you know, just push uh, – you'd be running it too quick, um, especially with the way – like, just because the way Seth's been playing, like you said, Charlie. So I kind of go the other way on that. Uh, at least a little. I, I kind of – actually, I waver back and forth. So I definitely think uh, this is encouraging for Steph long-term, just in the sense that – uh, I, I, he's not a guy that even if this is the peak, uh, I don't think a tier below or two tiers below his peak is probably still one of the best 10 players in the league. You know, uh, I, I think he'll probably age. I've said this before, but I think he'll age pretty similarly to how Steve Nash aged if he's managed correctly, you know, which is awesome. Steve Nash was an all-star until he was close to 40 years old. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm, I'm not sure what this team looks like next year at their best, even. And there is no rush. You're right. I totally agree with that idea. They don't have anything to lose except this pick. You're going to get the idea that, that picks do have the most value when uh, you're in control of who it is that gets picked. You know what I mean? So that asset to other teams looks a little better because they have a little bit of control over what's going to look like if they do trade that. Um, I'm not a proponent of trading both the pick and Wiseman uh, pretty much under any circumstance, unless it's getting you a top 10 player in the league, unless it's getting you, you know, or a young guy like Jalen Brown quality, like young stud up and rising. But um, yeah, I, I go back and forth because I think, again, you, you, Steph is so good right now. And I think he, he clearly can still be the best player in the title team. And I don't know what Clay looks like post Achilles. I don't know what Draymond looks like next year. Uh, he's already aged substantially. He's still looking great, obviously, but you don't know. Uh, we don't know what year two Wiseman looks like. And that's kind of the fun one, right? He could be uh, any number of things next year. He could be this. He could be the number two option on the team next year in the defensive anchor. He could also be uh, a stagnated player that's not ready to contribute to Steph's um, success just yet. So I think it's worth taking a look at, and I think it's worth with the pick especially. Um, it could be any number of things. I think that's an asset that you know combined with a couple of your smaller salaries, whether it's uh, some of your lower picks, can net you a cool player, net you a good player um, that might be a younger player, might be someone who's younger, but uh, 
who can kind of add to that, you know, that next generation timeline, but also contribute right now. Um, I know John Collins has gotten tossed around. I'm not moving to pick for that kind of guy. I think John Collins is a good offensive player, but I'm not moving the a potentially, you know, generational pick for him. But um, I do think uh, th- there's never a better chance to win a title than when your best player is one of the best 15 players of all time, that person's in his prime, you know. And I think it's it's going to be on this front office to – really do their due diligence then if they're not going to move anything they got to be really making sure that Wiseman's developing properly making sure they are doing their their due diligence with that draft pick whether it's the player they're drafting or making a trade but um yeah I think they at least have to do their, their due diligence take a look and, and see what they can possibly net to that pick because that thing with Ubre, um probably net to a pretty solid player right now somewhere but what do you guys think I mean I agree I, yeah, but like I, I think uh, that oh, go ahead, I think then. Yeah, uh, I just I just think that you know just with the the team that you have right now, it's it's so like it's just not I don't want to say not worth it, but like I'd want to get a player who would come in and you know really elevate the team to you know West Conference final level, maybe you know you know just take that next step. And if that player is not going to do that with the pick, then might as well just hold it, hold on to it, and wait till we do get a player like that back, like Clay, and then you know go from there. I think that. Um, and but you're bringing up fair points. I just think that um, if we can make this current squad work and add, you know, the the guys that we have out right now into the mix, add in the pick. You know, we have a lot more assets that we, you know, are you know just collecting. And you know, next year when we find the right, you know, metric players after you know everybody kind of showcases what they're bringing to the table, then you can decide. You know, maybe we trade wise when we maybe we trade that draft pick or yeah, that's that's definitely the other side of that coin. I think I, I do agree with that idea, and I don't think. The idea that, like you said, getting a guy that can get you to the West Finals. Um, I don't know who that guy would be right now. So that's kind of exactly. the exactly. And like that's, I don't, I don't think there's a guy like that available. That's kind of the issue. But I just think they got to look. But on that note, yeah, you know, next year, best case scenario, or not even best case. You know, Clay Thompson's a shooter. Worst case, you know, what I mean, worst case scenario, yeah. he's spreading the floor for Steph, and Steph can do more of what he's exactly. doing. Exactly. Um, Wiseman probably will improve. Um, and like you guys are both preaching patience, but I definitely, I, I think resonates with me more now hearing it from you guys too. Is just. Those, that, that, those assets aren't going to deteriorate. Like, even if they pick a guy, let's say they get a guy in top four or five, and that's Jalen Suggs or Kuminga, is that how you say it, Char- uh, Charlie? Uh, Kuminga, yeah. Kuminga, yeah. If one of those two guys or any of the, the Jalens anywhere, um, that's a good point. Going into next year, those guys will still have, those guys will still have value for sure. Um, so I do go back and forth. I do think, you know, there's some value to be had there. Um, due diligence there but like you said I think it's also a good observation that there's not necessarily a lot of guys that can that can fill that void right now that are worth those assets so that's good that's a good point Charlie any closing thoughts before we take a quick break yeah I agree when you look at like you know Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond being like you know the prizes of the the trade deadline so far like Mm -hmm. neither of those guys are moving the needle and I don't really see anyone else coming into the light that's going to make a big difference because only so many teams are going to be truly out of it by the deadline and be willing to move their best players. So it really makes things a lot tougher. And I think at this point, especially when you look at the Minnesota pick, like, you know, my, when I look at it now, like I almost have uh, that pick is more valuable than Wiseman because you got better than a 50, 50 shot of having the four or five pick if Minnesota has the worst record and, if they somehow keep it, then it's unprotected next year and they don't look like they're getting any better. So that may damn well be the best pick asset you that's, can have in the that's league. That's 100% right why I don't think you can you can uh, trade those – trade either of Wiseman or – trade Wiseman in conjunction with that pick would be ridiculous. I think there's I – mean, I would do that for Giannis. That would be a great deal, I think, for the Bucks to be honest. That would be a deal later. But, guys, I think we're going to take a quick moment – to, to hear from Anchor, our podcasting sponsors, and then we'll uh, come back and maybe finish up the conversation about um, this pick and move into some some buyout options. Thanks for listening. Perfect. What's up, guys? Welcome back to uh, Game Six Clay Pod. I hope you guys enjoy that message from our uh, sponsor, Anchor. Shout out! Thanks for letting us record on here. Um, so, Charlie, right back to you. Um, we'll just kind of close out the conversation we had before the break. Um, just kind of. Um, the whole, you know, trading the pick or not, um, kind of, you know, hit on that. Hopefully, you guys have made it this far and, you know, heard what we said. But, Charlie, go up, close up what your uh, last thought was and let's keep this going. Yeah. So, I think Minnesota, with the injuries and everything, it really coincided uh, perfectly with what I was working on because I was just trying to wrap up like a rough 
top 10 prospects list. And I think when you really look at it for the Warriors, you know, even if they can somehow slide, you know, to like four, five, six, I think in that range is where they would likely keep the pick. I mean, Matt, I know you're a huge Jalen Suggs guy, and I would be all in on that. I think he's the perfect kind of guy where he can play both guard slots and he would slot right in. Uh, my number five, Jalen Johnson, I think that dude is a freak. Um, and, you know, all respect to his decision for getting out of that horrendous season uh, on his $0 an hour salary. Uh, so all respect <laughs> to my man for taking care of business, and I would love to see him come to the Bay Area. Um, There's a pro Jalen Johnson fucking uh, podcast, man. Uh, hop on, Jalen, if you ever listen to this. Um, you know, was, you'd look good in, in the Chase Center. So cruise, bro. Yes, sir. Uh, I think those would be some really exciting guys to get. Um, I think around that sixth range, I love Dacian Knicks. I don't know if you guys have been catching some of the G League games, but whew, that guy is absolutely nasty from a guard standpoint, just like so big and strong and having him next to Steph and Clay would be huge. Um, I think, unfortunately, you know, you can kind of rule out Cade Cunningham, obviously Mobley and Unfortunately, I think Kaminga might be one of those guys who's in that top three range. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, those are the kind of guys you can pencil in for being out of the Warriors range, but it's a huge, huge play for them if they're able to get one of those guys in the fold going into next year. Charlie, you don't think the Warriors should trade this pick in a deal for Zach Levine? Oh, God, no. (laughs) 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 Oh, my – that stuff is – so overblown and I think there's like I think there's some reasonable deals out there um you know I think we've said like even with the recent run uh I'm still leaning on the trade him on the Kelly Oubre front as opposed to keep him and I don't think any deals around that are going to involve the Minnesota pick in any regard um I think one other note one thing we touched on last pod that I didn't realize too was uh if the Warriors keep that pick from the Thunder for Oubre then they have to give up the Minnesota second. So that wouldn't be ideal, but honestly, I could totally live with trading away their first round pick this year. That's what they have to do. Uh, Because I think it's so important to have just the chance to get a generational player in this draft or the next, just to add to that core. Yeah. I think, I think, I'm glad, man. No, I was just going to say, I told you, I think that like, that kind of sums up what, like, I think, all of us were kind of saying uh, in terms of pro not trading it. Um. Yeah, I was going to add, I think, again, I think patience is a good move. And I think uh, one of the things about this draft coming up is if that pick does fall on the top four or five is that it, it according to everybody, uh, NBA-ready guys, right? Guys ready to come in and do some work right away. And I think uh, – I mean, I love Suggs, as Charlie said, personally. I mean, I, I think that guy's awesome. I think he's just, like, the most, like, prototypical guy you want out of a guard right now. Just three-point shooting, stocky, solid defender, like, just a, a good athlete and just I think he's gonna be really good I think you know also me- for like other assets you know just a you know, quick little G League shout out I mean uh, I was watching um just highlights of like Nico Jordan Poole J- Jeremy Lin balling out down there in the in the bubble um Nico especially Nico Manning I've always been a big Nico Manning guy um you know the dude's kind of showcasing the jumper uh, nice three-point shot um he's just first steps insane um and, like, it kind of looked like, uh, obviously, Brad had a decent game last time out, but the guy's been kind of kind of terrible, um, kind of terrible. Uh, it's just all season. Um, yeah. I was like, damn, if we – Nico, Nico's looking solid, man, so we might have to think about him, Jeremy Lin, Jordan Poole. Think, you know, we got, we, got some, we got some skill at the, the guard spot right now in the G League. Yeah, I mean, on that note, I, I think there's little to no chance that – I'm not saying he's not in the roster, but I, I – I, Again, Brad Wanamaker is kind of overtaking Kelly Oubre on my Warriors shit list. Um, I hate him. But <laughs> Brad want to get the hell out of town, man. I think, That's what I've been tweeting. Well, I mean, if I'm going to be real with you, I saw Nick the other day. And this is no all respect to Brad. He's a, seems like a great, nice man. But someone called yeah. him Haka Maker and made me – it's just – it is uh, – it floors me every time, I think. It's <laughs> hilarious. I know, yeah, no disrespect, Brad. If you if you do listen to this – um. You know, it's all love. I think you're a great guy, but just can't fucking play on this team, man. It's, what I was going to say is, uh, yeah, I think there's no chance <laughs> that one of Yeah, I mean, you know, right now we lost Matt to uh, – we lost Matt to a case of the, 
the laughing of Brad Wanamaker. And that's something that Dub Nation been doing all day, you know. We always get on Twitter and just laugh on that dude. Somebody was tweeting yesterday when he threw that lob to Wiggins, how they were like, damn, was that just a missed shot? He just is just that off. So, you know, poor guys <laughs> getting a lot of hate. But, um, you know, I think I think it's uh, very safe to say that, you know, if you guys could see Matt's face right now, this man looks like he's crying, cutting some onions over <laughs> right, Brad Wanamaker. I, if you ever want to get me to laugh, if you say Brad Cockamaker, I'm going <laughs> to – I will lose you. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I think there's. I think Nico's. If if the jumper gets anything close to real, I like you said, he's he's killing the G League right now. I think there's a good chance he's closing the season as that backup units um, mm-hmm. floor general, which I think again that that team desperately needs a floor general uh, in the second unit. I mean, Wiggins is holding his own there, uh, which is great, but um, they need some organization there. They don't have it right now. Yeah, so I think it. too. We we talked about having Jalen in the G League. And what the other night he dropped like a thirty bomb, seven of nine from deep. I mean, that's that's what this team has been needing. And I'm just I was just watching those highlights, bro, and I'm just seeing three serviceable backup point guards, and I just see Wanamaker out there. I'm just like, dude, we sent the wrong dude down to fucking Florida, wherever the hell this bubble is. But um, what was that nickname again? You said Matt. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to get back into this one. But um, moving on, um, as we uh, kind of touched on, you know, trading picks and, you know, surrounding this team with talent, um, you know, for now or the future, um, what a big, big market right now, the bio market. Um, you know, we got guys like you know, Blake Griffin looking to get out of town, Drummond, obviously last night, um, Draymond hit on it, but uh, he's also kind of on the block. So um, are there is there any guys that you would want to see the Warriors target in this bio market? Um, you know, who is there, you know, who do you think would, you know, have the chance to, you know, elevate this team to levels that they're not really there yet? That was my English, but take it away, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as Griffin and, and Drummond go, I think I, you hit on earlier, Gotham, when we were talking, man, you said, or Charlotte, when you guys did, you'd be surprised that they got bought out. But, I mean, Drummond a little more likely to get traded just because his contract is an expiring deal. But Griffin's got, I think – He's on a $36 million this year, and he's got a $37 million player option next year, which he's never going to see that money again, so he would 100% opt into that. But he's obviously sitting out right now, so there's got to be either a deal lined up or a deal as a potential, not lined up, but a deal that's got to be something that the Pistons think is possible, um, or both sides are going to work towards some kind of buyout. Um, And I think that's the more likely scenario for Griffin in particular because no one's – I, it's, it's the worst contract in the league. He's the he's the most. It's, it's, it's straight up. It's the worst. He's he's putting up twelve points a game on, I think thirty seven or forty percent shooting from the field right now. And zero dunks, man. The dude hasn't dunked since like July. Um, he hasn't dunked in two years, I think. Something like that. Oh, was it two it's, years? I think two calendar. I think it was. Yeah, oh, okay, like December twenty nineteen was the last time he dunked. Uh, but so that's uh, not ideal. On that note, I mean, if if. I don't, I, I don't necessarily see him as an ideal option for a whole lot of teams, to be honest, but he's a, he's a great passing big man. He can shoot the three ball a little bit. I think this year he's been up and down. I think he had a couple of games where he hit like eight threes, though, something crazy like that. But um, as far as the Warriors go, he's not a guy I would be upset if they signed, but I think it would kind of crush their rotations a little bit. I don't know. I think it would throw a lot of stuff into whack just with Wiseman being the back of the five now and Eric Pascal being that um, back of the four or five as well. I don't know where Griffin's role is, and it's certainly not in the starting lineup that wants to – uh, you know, continue to maintain what is now top five defense. Uh, he's not trying to find a role there, but I think he would have potentially have some value as a playmaker, you know, as like a guy who's setting up kind of like Marcus Saul or Jokic with the elbow um, and organizing the offense from there. But uh, other than that, though, I don't necessarily see a realistic option. Either of those guys. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it, Matt, because, you know, when you see guys like engage in the full sit down, there's either going to be a trade or a buyout. Like there's no walking back from that. And I agree with you, you know, Drummond expiring. I think a lot more teams can fit him in. I think Toronto's the team that's being linked to him the most, and they can probably figure something out. But I don't see him as a realistic option just because, you know, what they would have to move to get into that uh, sort of salary space would just be untenable. And I think someone – I forget who said it, but they said Andre Drummond can put up 30 and 20 and not impact the game whatsoever. Like, that's kind of the guy he is. And I think, you know, even if he addresses that rebounding problem, I think what he brings to the table or what he doesn't bring to the table on defense is what really hurts you. So I don't think he's the kind of guy the Warriors can get uh, 
unless somehow he ends up on the buyout market. And I agree with you with Blake. You know, I think he's not the ideal option for the roster. But if you're looking to burn that DPE and no one else is really appealing to you on the buyout market, then I think he's the kind of guy that they should go for because, you know, at this stage in his career, he's a lot more limited athletically. He's definitely had some injury troubles, but they can play him some relatively easy minutes. I think he'd play a lot more with the bench than with the starters. And like you said, you know, he's still a very high IQ player who can create with the ball in his hands out of the high post. He's got a little outside game. So he could definitely bring them some interesting angles that I don't think another a lot of other guys give. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys said it. I I I don't see Drummond um, coming here. I just I just don't I don't even like him as a player to be honest. I think um, the big men we have when healthy will be will be fine. Um, but Griffin's an interesting one. I I've always been a fan of Blake's game. Um, even when I like doing doing those lob city Clipper years. Um, obviously, never liked him as a guy, but. Um, uh, but I think that uh, it's an interesting thing and it all comes down to if we can get him for really cheap, like you said, Charlie, kind of just no one else kind of out there, you know, use DPE or something like that. But I think fit wise, it would be interesting to see him next to like in that second unit. Um, just having, uh, I feel like his passing ability, not anywhere close to Draymond, um, but I think he'd be like a Draymond-esque kind of figure with that second unit and, you know, allow Wiggins to kind of work off the ball, um, you know, potentially, you know, add in, uh, you know, just shooters around Mulder and Lee around, like, just a big man that could pass. So um, I think um, schematically it would look cool. Um, I think it would be an interesting uh, experiment. But Matt, you kind of said the dude just is getting too much money, not worth a trade. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah. I would never trade. No one's yeah, it's just not, yeah, it's just not It's just not worth – yeah, it's not even worth um, – but there was an article I saw, maybe it was on Twitter or something, but um, – that the Warriors were um, interesting to Blake. Um, I might have just read that on some random feed, but um, yeah. if that is a, if that is something, um, I see how it could be. I see how it might work. Um, but like you said, there's just kind of a log jam at that you know front court positions that we have right now. Um, we're granted when everyone's healthy, so um, it's a tough one. I honestly think the Warriors should just if they are going to make a move, make a trade. Um, I think that would involve Ubre. Um, but other than that, I don't really see. Too many of the moves this team can and should make he's picking up guys for this season. Yeah, I mean I think I, I think that Griffin would be if Wiseman was ready to start now and he was that guy in the front in the on the starting lineup. Yeah, be, it'd be perfect. It'd, it'd be, be awesome perfect. to have Griffin as that back of five and have Lumi as the third center almost. Um have if Wiseman was the guy that he can be eventually, but he's not. He's gonna be he's gonna become off the bench for a while for the foreseeable. And just the way the just just the way the starting lineup looks now with JTA just that small lineup, Draymond at the five. Like that's this word that's that team's bread and butter. And you know, like you kinda said it, Matt, like just kind of messing with something that's already working. Um, you know, I think if worst case scenario um you know griffin just is terrible um the best case you know he just kind of finds a small little niche i don't know if he how much he helps us either um but um it's definitely something you try out but not worth sacrificing a whole lot for yeah this is it doesn't really work rotation wise i feel like um charlie we got you off and then what were you gonna say yeah i think too when you look at the more reasonable buyout guys i've seen trevor Ariza floated around a lot more um I think he's one of those interesting guys where, you know, whatever system you're running, like he can get minutes on the wing off the bench and he's still a capable guy from distance. Um, I like that too. PJ Tucker, you know, if he gets bought out, I know he's been having a horrendous season, but I think he's the kind of player too, where he benefits from being on a winning team. I mean, no offense to the Rockets, but like there's just so much going on around them right now. And I can't imagine he has a whole lot of chemistry with the players coming in and out. And that was so much of it is, you know, he just worked in being like the fifth starter on that team who was just a quality role player. And I think that's what he'd be for the Warriors. Um, one other guy that I really have my eye on too, and I think they could actually benefit from uh, the Drummond trade. Um, I've seen a lot to make the money work is that uh, the Raptors would probably be looking to move on from Aaron Baines. And he'd probably be one of those guys who'd have to go back to Cleveland to make the money work. And I doubt they're kind of, be inclined to give him minutes over Jared Allen or Larry Nance or anyone else they have. So if he hits the buyout market, I think he'd be a lot more interesting as a guy who can fill that like Marquise Chris role that they had as like the third true big on the roster. Um, I think he'd be a little more reliable than Kavan at times, even if he doesn't know the system as well. And 
you know, even if the small ball is working at a high pace, which I think it is for the regular season, you're going to need big dudes when it comes down to the playoffs, like true big men. So I think that's something that they should be really be looking for. I think the bad news is roster spots, man. That's what it comes down to as well. Um, and buyout options, you need to have a roster spot open, which uh, the Warriors have shown, I mean, reluctance to say the least for getting one of those open right now. Uh, it's going to mean. And especially yeah. with the JTA whole two way contract thing, like we're going to need him on the thing. So I think um, roster, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just to chime in, but let's show sure you no, I totally agree. Yeah, JTA's got to get a roster spot, and I think he will. I think we're going to see Mulder get cut, to be honest, before the end of the season. Uh, probably get put in the second two-way, um, and JTA get a roster spot. Uh, but, yeah, as far as moves go, I, I like Charlie noted, obviously P.J. Tucker is still on that radar for me personally. I think that would be a nice fit, I think. Whereas before, I think the Rockets had mentioned they demand a first-round pick or a couple second-round picks. I think that's got to be a second-round pick or two at this point um, at most, and he's fits right into that DPE. Um, Really, though, uh, I also don't see buyout options going to Golden State unless they go on a big, big run that kind of indicates they're they're close to contention, which I don't know is going to happen this year before the playoffs. And usually those buyout guys are sprinting to the Lakers, sprinting to the, you know, the Cavs back in the day, um, the Warriors of old, you know, maybe the Nets. Uh, so I don't, I don't see the Warriors as a buyout option in general for a lot of guys. Maybe they're guys that they might want, but I don't see them as a destination, I should say. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Um, trying to win. Um, if we kind of hit that, um, we can kind of segue in towards um, just kind of looking up to the next week, um, week, week and a half of games. Um, Warriors got actually probably one of the most easiest stretches of schedules um, that we've had damn near all season. But I'd say we got um, Miami tomorrow um, and then Orlando Friday and then Charlotte Saturday, the Knicks, and then, you know, keeps going from there. But um you know, already took care of the Cavs last night, um, kind of handily and really good to see, especially after, you know, not necessarily a bad Brooklyn game, just a tough one, just the energy seemed a little off, um, stuff like that. But um, going forward, what, what do you want to see from the team um, taking on, you know, subpar competition um, and, you know, really trying to secure a spot um, in the thick of the Western Conference playoffs? Yeah, I, yeah, think-, I think when you oh, – sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, you're good, you're good, go. Uh, yeah, so I think when you look at Miami now, um, you know, coming off like a brutal loss to the Clippers where the Clippers had every good player out, um, getting like 30 bombed by Marcus Morris. I mean, they're, they're starting to move into the must-win territory. Um, and I think when you look at the stretch now through the end of the month, really the Lakers are the only team that are like a, a truly scary matchup. I know Indiana kind of put some hurt on the Warriors the last time in their tough matchup, but um, you know, I think you really have to start building some wins and some win streaks, most importantly, through this. Because, you know, Miami, Orlando, Charlotte, those are all very winnable games. And even though they have some exciting players, like, you've got to be able to build something. And if you look at that, you know, 15 and 13 right now, if you're able to build to 18 and 13, suddenly your footing in the West is a lot stronger than it was before. Yeah, it feels like kind of on repeat this season. You know what I mean? It feels like every – uh, every time we talk, it's like the Warriors have a chance to get a little run going. Um, you got to hope this is the time, and they they have looked better of late, uh, at least more consistent. Uh, I do feel like this Miami game, I, I, it's the Heat. It's Jimmy Butler, it's Bam Adebayo, so I know they're not playing well, but it's always a game that uh, it's a trap game. It's a national TV game. Jimmy Butler's not a guy that likes to get embarrassed by any means. So that last game, uh, those guys all have a lot of pride. So I don't anticipate the next game being like a – it's a winnable game, and a game the Warriors should win, but it also feels like a game where – Miami's coming off a really, really ugly, embarrassing loss to a Clipper team. So I expect that to come out with some pride there. But, yeah, it just it feels like this is a good chance, good chance of any to get the Warriors before the All-Star break to be – Charlie, you said 18, 13. I think they have 10 games left, um, none of which are against crazy, crazy competitive teams. I mean, at least top four or five teams in the league. I think the hardest game, that Laker game is there, but Anthony Davis is definitely going to be out for that. Um, that Phoenix game might be the toughest one. But other than that – they got a stretch right now where, like Charlie said, I think they can really establish themselves. You know, they can lock into that sixth seed, to be honest. That's a seed they can actually kind of shoot for right now where uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to think, you know, at the end of this, going into the all-star break, they're in that spot and they have a couple of games up on the seventh spot. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just a great opportunity for them. And uh, like you said, a bunch of, bunch of mediocre teams, kind of like Golden State has been, but this is their chance to separate themselves from that pack. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the point I was kind of trying to make. I think this this next stretch of five, six games is going to show us what this Warriors team is. Are we just, uh, you know, a little better than average kind of middle of the pack team? Or, you know, can we are we a team that will we – I think we've all agreed on that has potential to do something in the playoffs. Um, we've seen, you know, sparks of greatness throughout, with this team, um, you know, throughout the season in stretches. Um, we've also just seen them, you know, play down to the level of their competition and honestly just give away games to teams that we should have been – you know, the Knicks, the Pacers, both teams we're going to see on this, you know, upcoming stretch. Um, so I think, you know, it's hard to it's hard to predict, to be honest, which is kind of sad to say just because, you know, the Warriors haven't given us too much confidence to, t- like, say that, you know, we're going to t- uh, take care of this. But um, something about this stretch feels different. Um, it was always, you know, we win two games um, against, you know, some, some pretty good competition and then drop that third one to, you know, take advantage. Um, I think – um, the Warriors know it, um, you know, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, everybody is kind of on their mind. They've always been, you know, preaching, you know, putting together a string of games. Um, and it's, it's, it's literally delivered on a platform. These next five, six games are, I mean, I would argue to say you have to go undefeated. If not, you got to at most lose one game. Um, it's just going to, it's just going to make your life easier going down the stretch. Um, like you said, it's going into halftime, uh, not halftime, <laughs> I guess halftime of the season, but um, all-star break with, um, with some momentum, um, and just kind of realize how you're going to fit the pieces around Steph. We're figuring it out right now, Steph and Draymond really holding it down. Um, we talked about it earlier, just breaking down last night, but if last night's any indication, um, the Warriors know that, that what they're up to, they're not going to be playing down, at least from last night. So I'm um, excited to see how that goes. Um, any other final thoughts or last topics you guys want to cover for this pod? No, I would just add to what you're saying. I mean, this team is, a, like you said, it's really, really getting an awesome record over the next – the last 10 games of the season is huge because this team and I hate to essential. It. Yeah, definitely. I hate to be the person to say it, but like they, they definitely have had injuries. Wiseman going out sucks. Looney being hurt sucks, but Steph and Draymond have been as healthy through 30 games or so as they've ever been in their careers. Yeah. And, and that's, exactly. And if you can't win with in exactly, it's, that's not, that's not a guarantee going forward. So uh, not to say not at all to hope or plague them with any kind of negative injury luck, but you know, those guys are going to end up missing some time, whether it's for maintenance, you want that too, as a, somebody who wants the Warriors to win. I don't, I personally don't want Steph to play every single game this year. No, if it doesn't have to, I don't want, I want Draymond to get some rest. The all-star break's really short. And so if you're the coaching staff, you're the organization, you, you're really harping on right now. We need to get ourselves a, a little bit of a cushion because these guys are, Steph's played every game, and that's that's doesn't yeah. happen very often. Not that he's he's played; he's not as injury prone as people say, but he doesn't usually play every game of the season. So it's not an awesome thing to bake on. I don't think. Totally. Yeah, if, if, and to anyone listening too, like, please stop voting for Draymond and Wiggins to go to the All Star game because, damn, they need that rest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, we'll get lucky. They ain't gonna make it, but um, you know, yeah, true, true. Yeah, and I think you know Matt the point you bring up is really interesting because if you can build those games now that give you a cushion down the stretch in the playoffs, then maybe it can afford you a game or two of rest for Steph and Draymond now and then. And, you know, if you're able to be five or six games over 500 going into the all-star break, that's huge, not only for a confidence standpoint, but uh, standings. I mean, the West is just an absolute bloodbath in the territory the Warriors are right now. And I think if you can build a few wins, build some confidence and move yourselves maybe into that second tier of contention in the West where you're a much more safer playoff team, then I think that's massive down the stretch to keep everyone healthy and keep them absolutely firing for the playoffs. Totally agree, guys. Um, kind of in a perfect, perfect spot right now. Um, perfect spot podcast-wise too. You know, kind of, it's kind of like a little – segue to see what what happens next are we going to be having a great fun pod next time or we're going to be uh talking about uh talking about what went wrong in the stretch but uh you know i guess stay tuned but guys stay tuned keep listening um any last minute um plugs or anything like that you guys got i think one more thing but we got to talk about uh draymond oh yes okay yeah yeah totally we got it we got to give our shout outs right now man like the rant was coming from that guy and I think what he talks about is so spot on and I think it's kind of beating a dead horse trying to expect ownership to like behave the same way that players do, but to hold them to those standards uh, is the media's job. And I think Draymond hit it perfectly that like the fact that the media is all over a guy like Harden for, you know, being fat and 
not giving it his all, like when he wants a trade request. Um, that shit sucks when you see a team, you know, tell a guy who's in the prime of his career playing good basketball to sit down because we're looking to move you. And not only sit down, you know, for a few days, like we're a month away from the trade deadline. And so you're asking a guy like Andre Drummond to sit down until we figure something out. And, you know, it's just crickets in terms of calling out Cavs management or any other team that does that. Because I'm, I'm with Draymond. I think it's bullshit. And, you know, I think it's, it's on the teams. Like, that's their prerogative if that's what they want to do. But if, you know, if you allow it to happen and you don't penalize them for it, they're just going to keep doing it. Like, what's allowable under the rules is what they're going to do. So I think if the media is able to, you know, shift this narrative and start really putting teams in a bad light for doing shady stuff like this, then I think, you know, the pressure is going to be on the league to actually do something about it. Yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's tough. And I think the, I mean, it's one thing if the guys, if, if it's kind of like a Blake Griffin situation where Griffin, I think obviously wants out of Detroit, right. He wants to figure out the best move out of there. I think it's going to be a little different, but with Drummond, I think he was warming up that game. Uh, my impression, I think that he was ready to go. Yeah, uh, was warming up, ready to go, like an hour and a half before two. Yeah, it's, it's a double standard, man. Like Charlie yeah. said, he's, he's playing some of the best ball he's played in a few years. Um, yeah, obvious double standard. And I think it's also, I mean, I think it's also important to hit on the guy saying it. Uh, Draymond Green's been a, he's a firecracker, man, when it comes to the media. He's always, uh, he's lighting it up, but he's speaking truth, man. Like he's, he's generally like that. And it's also, not at all to take away from your point, Charlie. I think I'm not trying to write out on what you said, man. You said that really eloquently, man. Uh, you made that was awesome. Uh, I also just want to say Draymond should go into media when he's done. That's the that's the dream. Oh yeah, I mean, I think he I think he secured a spot on TNT next to Shaq and Chuck and you know whoever gets the boot. But um, yeah, I mean, Charlie, you kind of hit on the point, man. I think it's it's it kind of shows like it, it kind of shows the importance for like not to say guys like us, but like the just like the normal fan media kind of side where, you know, we're, we're bringing our own perspectives fans and, you know, mainstream media kind of has that, their whole, you know, they've got narratives to run. We've seen it all the time. It's kind of the stuff that we talk out most of the time you see on podcasts, TV shows. Um, a lot of that is just to like get people talking, guys like us talking and that's their like main prerogative. So that's their, it's their job. It's not necessarily, you know, it's not good, but um, I think somebody, especially somebody like Draymond Green, who has always been not, not afraid to voice opinion, um, like you said, Matt, you speak the truth, uh, give, you know, take that name from Paul Pierce, give it to Draymond Green, let him share it. Um, but, uh, no, nah, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, I think it's just, it's just kind of sad. Um, and I think it brings to light a really good, uh, I mean, a problem that we have in the league today and uh, something that, you know, as players, we're seeing them get a lot more, uh, you know, power, just, you know, just dictating where they want to go. And, um, I think they deserve that. It's their, it's their livelihood, it's their career, it's their, it's their body on the line. So, um, you know, hold, hold the hold the teams accountable just the same way they hold the players. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's perfect. Yeah, you made you made a good point too, because you know a lot of the stuff that we talk about is with regards to the media. It's like, ah, oh, Shaq said this about Donovan Mitchell, and we get mm-hmm. to like butt heads back and forth. But like, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't really affect anything. Oh, one hundred percent. And it's it's gonna it's gonna take a combination this, this, of this guys like guys like Draymond happens. Green, guys like you know, Andre Drummond, who's going through situations like this to speak out what they're talking about. And then, like, the more and more, you know, like, the public gets uh, gets the thing. That's that's how coups happen, man. Shout out, you know, takeovers. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But, um, uh, you know, that's how that happens. So it all starts at the ground level. But, you know, we got people up top, um, you know, just really pushing that agenda forward and uh, just keeping everyone accountable, man. That's I think that's the biggest thing and how this league's going to grow and um, how the content of the league's going to get better um, just as we go on. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, guys, perfect way to wrap it up. I think shout out to little guys. Um, so if you guys like what you've been hearing, um, you guys, uh, enjoy the pod. Um, just think we're, you know, good looking off our Twitter pages. Just give us a follow, give us a, give us a shout out. Um, we're at, at Gabe Six Play Pod. My name is Gotham. Uh, Matt, Charlie, you guys got anything to shout out, um, before we, uh, call it quits? Yeah, I uh, I scrapped my piece last week. Charlie kicked ass on his uh, Bradley Beal trade piece, so uh, <laughs> I uh, I uh, undid that one. But I'm working on a for all those people who are interested in Blake Griffin move potentially. I'm gonna be spelling that one out for y'all. So uh, hopefully I have that out uh, tomorrow or or uh, Thursday. So check that out Beast on Bleed. Beast mode. Yeah, and uh, follow me at Clay PS11 on Twitter. Uh, gonna have a new 
piece coming out about some early top 10 draft prospects. And uh, also one more shout out to Jalen Johnson, uh, pro, pro Jalen Johnson podcast here. Uh, and also fuck you. Charlie, that, that just cut out at the right time. You just ended it at fuck you. That was pretty steep. Um, <laughs> Did I cut out? It did. Oh, back. Give him, hit, him with another, hit him with another bomb. Get that another go, man. Hit him with another bomb. Yeah, no, fuck you, Kevin Connolly, uh, writer for Ball Durham, talking about how Jalen Johnson's a coward. Uh, how about you uh, check Jalen Johnson on the street, see what happens. <laughs> I, would, Damn, I would love to see that. Pay-per-view talk, bro. Give us some commission for making this happen. Um, anyways, guys, thanks so much <laughs> for listening. And uh, – Jalen Johnson, if you hear this, man, we got you back. Um, listen to the pod if you want to hop on once you're a warrior. Come through, baby. But until then, um, we're out, guys. Peace. Have a great next week.